help us as we uh, try to look at this uh, chapter and just try to get some truths out of it and learn something from it. Pray you help us to be attentive. In your precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, we're there in John chapter number 10. And we're going through the book of John on Wednesday nights. And we just, just want to show you a few things real quick out of John chapter number 10. And we don't have to be very long tonight, hopefully. But just look at verse number 1. John chapter number 10, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. And look at verse number 6. The Bible says, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So, in John chapter number 10, Jesus is speaking a parable, and He's teaching them a lesson, and He's trying to teach these people a lesson. If you remember, in John chapter number 9, uh, we had that whole chapter where Jesus uh, spat on the ground and took the to made clay and healed the blind man, and, and uh, <clears throat> we were able to see that entire episode there unfold about that man being, being healed. And we're coming off of that chapter into chapter number 10, and now Jesus begins to teach and to preach uh, to these people. And the Bible tells us in verse number 6, He's speaking through a parable. So He's teaching them a lesson. That's the point of this chapter. Look at verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. If you remember, I told you before, in John, in John there are uh, seven, I believe it's seven, um, different times when Jesus makes this statement, I am, and he, and he adds a, a thing to that. We, we've seen him say, I am the bread of life. Uh, we, we see him here say, I am the door. And, uh, and, and this is one of those times where he makes those, one of those I am statements. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And in verse 9 he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the only way to salvation. The Bible says, he said, I am the door. And then Jesus said, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. So Jesus said, I'm the door. And if you enter in through this door, he said, you're going to be saved. And he said, that's the only way you can be saved, is to enter in through the door. John 14, 6. You don't have to turn there. But Jesus, the Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. And just, uh, a few days ago, Rebecca and Moses, look up here, okay? This is church time. It's not time to be playing with your nails, alright? You guys need to be paying attention. You need to learn this. Just a, a couple days ago, I was having a, not an argument, but a, a conversation with two co-workers who are atheists, uh, and they were, every once in a while, they talked to me about church stuff or whatever, and they were, they were talking to me, and they were, you know, they, they had a hang-up with, with this doctrine and this teaching right here, and they were upset, and they were saying, you know, I, I can't believe in a Christianity who just believes that if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. And they were saying, you know, I, I just think that if somebody who doesn't believe, who lives a good life or is a good person, why can't they go to heaven? But the Bible is very clear in, in 
maybe it's not that pleasant of a subject, but the Bible is very clear. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And the flip side to that is if a man does not enter in by Jesus Christ, he will not be saved. That's what He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So no person can ever go to heaven unless they go to heaven in and through Jesus Christ. And that's what the Bible says. Now, this, the world doesn't like that. And the world says, well, I believe there's many ways to heaven. I believe that you can, you, you can go through, through Islam, and I believe you can go through, through that religion or the other religion. But the Bible says that it's only through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. According to the Bible, the only person that can save you, the only person that can give you salvation, the only place somebody can, the only way somebody can be saved is through Jesus Christ, and that means anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ is going to die and go to hell. You know, uh, people often, when I talk about the subject, it seems like inevitably people will give me this. Uh, this this illustration. I mean, I don't think I've ever talked to somebody, and, and they think they're so smart. They think they come up with this themselves, but they'll they'll give me an illustration of some hypothetical village out in the Amazon or some hypothetical village out in Africa of, of some group of people that have never heard of Jesus Christ or have never been reached. And number one, what we got to understand is that hypothetical village does not exist. There, there is no place on planet earth that the gospel of Jesus Christ hasn't gone to. There is no place on planet earth that, that some missionary hasn't gone to. Now, there might not be a place, you know, there's places on this earth that are dark because people have chosen to reject Christianity like Islam like Iraq, like Afghanistan, and because of that, condemn the whole nation to hell, but the Bible has been preached in those places. But people will say, well, what about somebody who doesn't, uh, who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ? What if they're just a good person? They try to, they're, they're trying to get saved. And, and look, you, guys, you, you kids, you need to understand this. You need to learn this right now. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how good of a Muslim they are. It doesn't matter how good of a Hindu they are. It doesn't matter how good or sincere of a person they are. If a person does not believe and call upon the name of Jesus Christ, they will die and go to hell. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man enter in, you've got to enter in through the door. So number one, we see... In this parable, this teaching, there's uh, different characters in this teaching. And the first one, he says, that, that I want to show you there, is that Jesus Christ said, I am the door. He said, I am salvation. I, I, I am the, the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. But the second character in this parable I want you to see is in verse number 1. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, he says, The same is a thief and a robber. If you look at verse number 8, he continues to talk about that. And he says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Look at verse 10. He says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus Christ said, I am the door. He said, If any man enter in uh, by me, you know, by through Jesus Christ, he will be saved. And then he gives us a, a comparison. And he says in verse 8, He said, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. So what he's talking about is any false messiah... Any uh, spiritual leader who tries to take away from Jesus Christ, like Buddha, like Muhammad, like Allah, like the Dalai Lama, like uh, uh, 
Hinduism or like any other type of religion. He says, all that, uh, that ever came before me, he said, they are all thieves and robbers. So there is no other way. He, he's making a point here. He's saying, I'm the door. There's, the only way to salvation is through me. And anyone else who tries to say, oh, you can come. The sheep can come to this flock. He said, no. All that ever came before me, there are thieves and robbers. And when he says all, he means all. There is no truth in any other type of religion. Only Jesus Christ. But not only that. Not only is there the door in this story. Not only is there the thieves and the robbers. But if you look at verse 11... Jesus Christ also says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So Jesus is saying, not only am I the door, He says, I'm also the shepherd. Now we'll talk a little bit more about the shepherd in a a little while. But uh, one thing I want you to to know, when Jesus Christ was saying, I am, when when Jesus Christ makes these I am statements, uh, a lot of times He is making a statement of His Deity of uh, the fact that he is God, and when Jesus Christ said, "I am the good shepherd," what he was telling these Jews is that I am God. If you remember, a very well-known Psalm, Psalm twenty-three, says this: "The Lord is my shepherd." Now, in Psalm twenty-three, if you if you were to look at that, when it says "Lord," it doesn't say capital L. Uh, and then the little O-R-D, it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What that means is that that Lord there is put in place of the word or the name Jehovah. So Psalm 23 is not saying just the Lord like the boss or the master is a shepherd. He's saying the Lord, Jehovah God, is my shepherd. And when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, what he was saying is that I am the Lord. That I am Jehovah. That I am God Almighty. So he said, I'm, I'm the shepherd. And obviously the shepherd takes care of the sheep. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, look at verse number... Well, actually before we do that, look, look at verse 4. John chapter number 10 and look at verse 4. It, talking about the shepherd, it says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, And then at the last part of verse number 4, it says, For they know His voice. For they know His voice. And uh, actually, let's read uh, verse 2 again. John chapter 10 and verse 2. It also says, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep, look, look what it says, Hear His voice, and He calleth His own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when He putteth forth His own sheep, He goeth before them, and the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from Him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from Him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. So... What Jesus Christ is saying is that He's saying that I'm not only the door, He's saying that I am the sheep, uh, I, I'm the shepherd. And then He makes this, these statements and He says, the, the sheep hear my voice. He says, the sheep know the shepherd because they hear the voice of the shepherd and they know the shepherd. And He says, you can know the sheep because they know the shepherd. And He says, the shepherd, they do not follow a stranger because they don't uh, know the voice of a stranger. They know the voice of the shepherd. So what is Jesus Christ trying to say? Here's what He's trying to teach. You know, many people have this idea that they try to know whether or not someone is saved. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we need to know how, 
How do we know if somebody's saved? When we go out soul winning, knocking on somebody's door, how do I know uh, whether or not to give the gospel to somebody? Uh, you know, I've got to know whether they're saved or not. Well, there's two ways to know if somebody's saved. Okay? Number one, you know if somebody's saved by what they believe. Well, how do you know what they believe? By what they say. Okay, that's what we ask people. Do you know for sure you're that today to go to heaven? Because based on their response, we'll know what they believe. The Bible says in Psalm 107.2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, the Bible says, if you're redeemed, if you're saved, then go ahead and say that. Psalm 116.10 says, I believe, therefore have I spoken, I was greatly afflicted. So it says, I believe, therefore have I spoken. So by the fact, somebody will tell you what they believe. So how do we know if somebody's saved? By, the, by what they tell us. If they say they're saved, if they say they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if they say that they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, then we know they're saved. What's the other way? We know somebody's saved by whether or not they can hear the voice of the shepherd. Now, you've got to keep in mind... Most people, and even fundamental Baptists today, will tell you the way you judge somebody's salvation is by how they, how they live their life. And that is wrong. That is not found in the Bible. There is, I mean, that doesn't, that, that doesn't make sense and there's no point for that. Uh, because we should not, the Bible says that salvation is not of works, okay? The Bible says that salvation is not based on how you live your life. So, we shouldn't, if you cannot get salvation based on your works, if you cannot get salvation based on how you live your life, then why should we judge people's salvation based on how they live their life? Salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, believing has nothing to do with drinking alcohol. Believing has nothing to do with, uh, you know, doing drugs. Believing has nothing to do with... Uh, Fornicating, Believing has nothing to do with that. So we, sh- we ought not ever look at somebody's life and say, Oh, you know, I don't even know if that person is saved because of the way they're living their life. That doesn't, we, we shouldn't judge people's salvation based on how they live their life. And by the way, if you did that, you know, we would, the only way in the Bible we know that Lot is saved is because the Bible tells us he's saved. The Bible tells us that he vexed his righteous soul. If the Bible didn't tell us that he had a righteous soul, we would never know he was saved based on his works. But God told us he's saved. You know, if you watch Samson's life, you wouldn't know that Samson was saved. So we should never judge somebody, and that's what this whole repentance garbage uh, has found its, its, its foothold on, because this repentance idiots will go around and tell you, oh yeah, you, you, you get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, but if we don't see you repent of your sins, then what that tells us is that you were never saved. Well, that, how are you judging somebody's salvation based on what they do? You judge somebody's salvation based on what salvation is, what they believe. How do we know what they believe? Ask them. If somebody's doing drugs and alcohol and, 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 and robbing and stealing and killing, but they say, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, they're saved, because that's what they said. But there's another way that we can know whether somebody's saved. Now, I'm not one of these people that goes around judging. You know, I don't like going around judging whether people are saved or not. To me, if somebody says they're saved, they're saved. You know, that's between them and God. But there is a way that we can know if somebody's saved, and that is by whether or not they can hear the voice of the shepherd. You say, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible says that the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible says, if you want to know what the voice of the shepherd is, it's this King James Bible that I have in my hand. So the way, a lot of times, the way we can judge whether somebody is or is not actually saved is by their comprehending of the Bible. Say, what does that mean? Okay, 
I should be able to take a Christian who is actually saved, even a new, brand new Christian, and teach them a very simple subject in the Bible and have them understand it. Okay? If, I get, if somebody gets saved, and I try to teach them from the Bible uh, the virgin birth, Moses, preaching up here. Okay? If, somebody, if we take somebody who is brand new saved, just got saved yesterday, we should be able to show them the virgin birth. And them get it. Okay? If we get somebody saved and, and, we're, and we're showing them, you know, Jesus Christ is born of a virgin. And they're saying, I don't know about that. I don't know if I really believe that. More than likely, they, they are not actually saved. Okay, let me read for you a few verses. You don't have to turn to them. I'll just read them for you. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible says that somebody who is a natural man, who is not saved. The Bible says that they cannot hear the things of the Spirit of God. They cannot know them. They cannot understand them. Because the Bible says they are spiritually discerned. An unsaved person can't understand. That's why we should not, you know, we don't waste our time when we're out door knocking, talking about uh, the tribulation and talking about um, the post-tribulation versus the pre-tribulation rapture or talking about some sort of deep doctrinal thing in the Bible. There's no point because they they can't even understand the Bible until they get saved. That's why, uh, you know, we can think a Catholic who just got saved last week and explained to them that, you know, infant baptism is unscriptural, and they'll say, yeah, I get it. Why? Because, see, they wouldn't have agreed to that before they got saved. But after they got saved, they got the Holy Spirit of God. Bible says, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you, and when you open the Bible, you can read it, and He will teach you the Bible. You will understand. An unsaved person will open the Bible, and they will not understand. This will just be words to them. But a saved person can take the Bible and can understand it and can get it. So, how do I know if somebody's saved? Uh, is more than likely they're not saved. If, if I'm teaching them a very clear biblical doctrine, a saved person will get it. Now, notice I didn't say that they'll change their life. Notice I didn't say they'll live godly. Notice I didn't say, more than likely, an unsaved person who's a drunk, I can teach them the Bible that it's a sin to drink alcohol. And a saved person will say, man, that's true. And they'll acknowledge the fact that they're in sin. But they won't disagree with the Bible. They'll just say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in sin. But you'll, I mean, I, I've showed people, I remember just uh, uh, a couple weeks, two or three weeks ago at work, we were having a, this special exercise where we were pretending, you know, because I'm in the military, we're pretending like uh, we're some sort of nuclear chemical attack and we have to go into this uh, building and they call it shelter in place and you have to put this plastic wrap all over the windows and all over the vents and everything and you cannot get stuck in there for like eight hours uh, because you know we're under attack or whatever and there was this guy there who was supposedly a Christian one one of these which he's not by the way but one, one of these uh, he, he came from grew up in one of these churches where they where like the women cover their heads and all these weird things and I remember I mean I went back and forth you know somehow he started I was, I was just reading my Bible and he started talking to me about 
Bible, whatever. And somehow the, the thing of alcohol came up. And I, I mean, we literally, I wasted my time was what I was doing. But uh, we were debating for like an hour and a half. I mean, just going back and forth. I mean, just showing him scripture, showing him scripture. And, going, and he just kept saying, no, I just don't believe it. No, I just don't believe it. And I mean, just showing him the Bible. The Bible says that God says don't even look at it. And proving to him that, that it wasn't wine that Jesus, I mean, just unequivocally proved to him that Jesus did not make wine in the Bible. That wine uh, in the Bible uh, is also referring to juice and you can tell by its context. And I mean, just went through and proved it to him without a shadow. Of that. I mean, other people in the room who were saved, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you, there was another person in the room who was another person I go to, uh, I, I work with, who has came to this church before and I led them to the Lord. Now, this person is not right with God. This person has only came to church one time. This person has done nothing. But that person got it. I showed it to him and they're like, yeah, I get it. I see it. But this guy, and then there was my other friend there who's a pretty faithful Christian who goes to church on a regular basis, and, and they're like, yeah, obviously they already believe that. So there was three people in that room. There was an unsaved person who thought they were saved. There was a person who's not a very mature Christian at all, who the only time they came to church is here once. I led them to the Lord and have never came back and just lived like a worldly person. There was another Christian who was a pretty faithful Christian. There was me. And guess who got it? All the saved people. Guess who could not understand it? The unsaved person. But he said, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I got saved. But he couldn't get it. And to me, I just walked away saying, well, he's not even saved. Because, I mean, how, how does everybody, how does even the other worldly person, who also drinks, say, yeah, yeah, that's what the Bible says. Yeah, you know, alcohol is sin. But he didn't get it. Because he's not saved. So, a lot of times, if, if you're talking to somebody, and you're showing them a very clear, I mean, the virgin birth, the deity of Jesus Christ. I mean, just something very basic from the Bible. You're, you're showing somebody the King James issue, and you're showing them in these other uh, versions of the Bible, and you're showing them how they remove these verses that literally take doctrine out, and you're showing them in the King James Bible how those verses matter, and they're important, and somebody says, Ah, oh, well, I still just don't think... They're probably not saved. You know, so I do, I do believe there's a way to see if people are saved. Can they hear the voice of the shepherd? And the Bible says, Jesus said, that they will not hear the voice of a stranger. So if somebody, if somebody comes to our church, they say they're saved, and five years later they're a devout Muslim, they're probably never saved. Because a, 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 someone who's in the fold of Jesus Christ, who's a sheep of the shepherd, they will not hear a stranger. Somebody says they're saved, and five years later they're a devout Catholic, or a devout uh, Mormon, or a devout Jehovah's Witness, they probably were never saved. Because you know what a Christian will do when, they get, when, when they're not right with God? They'll just not go to church. But if they go into this other false religious where they're following a stranger's voice, according to John chapter number 10, they're not part of the sheep. Because the sheep hear his voice. So how, do, how can we tell if somebody's saved? Oh, well, they, they you know, live a horrible life and they're in fornication. That's not how you tell. Because salvation is not of works. So we shouldn't be able to tell by people's works. Salvation is by what you believe. So we can tell by what you believe. Somebody can live a perfect life. And if they say they believe you know, in, in Allah, they're not saved. But another way we can tell is whether or not they can hear the voice of the, of a, of the, sh- of the shepherd or if they follow the voice of a stranger. I'll give you another example. If you see there in John chapter number 10, look at verse 15. The Bible says, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now I'm not going to go into it, 
But in the story, we have the door, which is Jesus Christ, salvation. In the story, we have the shepherd, which is Jesus Christ, um, who leads us and takes care of us. Um, and in the story, we have the thief and the robber, which is a false messiah, who all people who are trying to lead people away from Jesus Christ are false messiahs, and they're thieves, and, they're, and they just came to, to kill and to steal. And, and, and in the story, we have the sheep who are saved people, and, and the sheep in the Bible always represent saved people, and they can hear the voice of the shepherd, and they do not hear the voice of a stranger. That's why I'm always worried with these uh, saved people who just read NIV Bibles. It's like, well, you shouldn't be able to re- you know, hear the voice of it. You should be able to tell when the shepherd is talking to you. But, but here's another example. The other sheep are that Jesus is referring to. He says that he has other sheep I, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be there shall be one fold. The other sheep is referring to is the the Gentiles, and I'm not going to go into it because we preach an entire sermon on it on Sunday night. But you know, just to give you an illustration about this, uh, about sheep hearing his voice, Brother Hudson, who was here on Sunday night. Um, after the Sunday night service, he came up to me. You know, I preached a sermon on are the are the Jews God's chosen people, and I proved from the Bible how the Jews today are not God's chosen people, and that Jew and that God's chosen people are saved believer Gentiles or any not just Gentiles, but a believer in Jesus Christ. And by the way, God's people have always been believers in Jesus Christ, believers of the Messiah. But um. You know, I, I preached that from the Bible, and we talked about how, how the unbelieving, Christ-rejecting Jews of today are not God's chosen people, and, and, and we've been engrafted in, is what the Bible says, and we've been uh, adopted into the family as, as believers in Jesus Christ. And Brother Hudson, you know, and, and, and by the way, what I preached on Sunday night is a doctrine that, you know, 99% of Panorama Baptists do not believe. And I, I, did, I was not taught that growing up. I was taught that the Jews, no matter what they do, they're always, there's something special about them. They're just God's chosen people. And they can just reject, in Je- reject Jesus Christ and they'll still go to heaven. Because all Israel will be saved and all this stuff. And, uh, which is not true. And Brother Hudson said he grew up in fundamentalism and that's all he was ever taught. And he said on Sunday night when I preached that sermon, um, that's the first time he never heard that. And you know what? He, he, he looked at it, he agreed with it. And you know what the funny thing is? He was talking to me after the service, and he was, he was pointing out verses to prove the point. And he's like, man, you should have used this verse, and you should have used this verse. And you're and you showing me verses from Galatians and Romans, and he's like, you know, this is a good verse. And obviously, I, was, you know, I used a lot of verses, and I, you know, I told him I, I could have used all those verses, but we would have been here for hours. But he was showing me verses that I could use. Now, think about this. How does a man who's never heard somebody preach that doctrine that way immediately, I mean, as soon as the service is over, not only agree with it, but already had verses in the Bible to prove it? How does somebody do that? Here's why. Because the sheep hear his voice. See, Brother Hudson is saved. So immediately when he heard the voice of God, which wasn't my voice, but the voice of Jesus Christ and the Word of God speaking to him, he heard it. He's like, wow, that's true. I agree with it. And immediately he was already thinking of other verses to prove the point. So you know what that proves to me? That he's a saved man. That he has the Holy Spirit of God. The shepherd, uh, we have the shepherd there. If you look at uh, John chapter 10 and look at verse 28. John 10, 28. The Bible says, I give unto them eternal life. 
and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So, we see there, one of the things that the shepherd does is give us eternal life. Salvation. He says, I give, them unto, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So according to Jesus Christ, we are in His hand. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, out sowing with um, Pastor Steve Anderson, a good friend of mine, and uh, we were out sowing, and he was talking to some charismatic lady uh, that did not believe in eternal security, and he showed her this verse. And she said, oh, well, the, the, the thing is that, you know, you're, you're holding Jesus' hand, and Jesus will never let go of your hand, but you can choose to let go of His hand. And he pointed out to her that it says, well, hold on a second, that's, it doesn't say we're holding Jesus' hand, it says that we are in His hand. But um, I said joking to him as we were leaving, I, I you know, I, I said joking to him, you know, obviously that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that we're in His hand. We're not holding His hand. But I was telling him, you know, that illustration doesn't even make any sense. Because if Jesus is holding my hand, and He is not going to let go of my hand, but I let go of His hand, I'm still, He still has to let go of You know, like, yeah, let go, let go. But He's still holding on to my hand. You know, but obviously that doesn't even make sense because, you know, but, but that's, I, I've heard that before. I've heard other people say that before. So I think that's a common thing that these uh Charismatics say about this verse, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say that you're holding in hand. The Bible says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He says that we're in his hand. And then in verse 29, he says, My Father which gave them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So in verse 28, he says they're in my hand, Jesus Christ. In verse 29, he says that they're in his Father's hand. Now, hold on a second. Are they in Jesus' hand, or are they in his Father's hand? Well, it's a very simple answer. Both. Why? Because it's the same hand. If you remember, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said, you're in my hand. And then he says, you're in the Father's hand. What does that mean? You're... It's the same hand. Look at verse 12. There's another character in this parable. He says, but he that is an hireling is not the shepherd... Whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf, uh, the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. Okay, so the next character in this parable is an hireling. Bible says in verse 13, the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling, and cares not for the sheep. So who's the hireling? The hireling is a hired person to take care of the sheep. But the Bible says that the hireling doesn't take care of the sheep. The hireling, when he sees a wolf coming, flees away. And the Bible says that he does this because he cares not for the sheep. So who is an hireling? What does a hireling represent? A hireling represents a false preacher, a false teacher. Now if you remember, the false messiah is represented by the thief and the robber. But the hireling represents a false, preach, uh, false preacher and a false uh, teacher. They do it for ulterior motives. Why doesn't hireling take care of the sheep? Because of money. That's what his name says. He's hired. He's hired help. That's why he's a hireling. They're doing it for ulterior motive. And that's what there are... You know, the reason America is dying and going to hell is because churches all across this nation, including fundamental Baptist churches, are pastored not by pastors, not by shepherds, because Jesus said that he's a good shepherd, but we also understand that there's the office of a bishop, or the office of a shepherd, or the office of an under-shepherd, under Jesus Christ, who is given the, the, the uh, authority to pastor a, a local flock for Jesus Christ, Moses, 
put that away unless you're going to put in the offering and, and look up here. Okay, it's not gonna it's not gonna change into a hundred dollar bill. It'll be fine. And but a hireling is somebody who is just doing it for ulterior motives. Titus 1.10 says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the of circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. So in hireling is a preacher who does it for the money, for filthy lucre's sake. And the bad thing about having a hireling for a preacher is that he will not warn you when the wolf comes. When the wolf comes, he's just going to run. They do not warn. What does that mean? Their preaching is not a warning type preaching. Their preaching is not warning trying to say, Hey, stay away from that. Hey, uh, uh, be careful with that. Hey, the, the wolf is coming. They're not the type of preacher who's going to get up and say, Hey, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may die. They're not going to say that. They're just going to run. They don't warn the sheep. That's a hireling. They're doing it for filthy lucre's sake. And the Bible says that the hireling careth not for the sheep. And I know so many pastors, and I've heard of so many pastors who just refuse to stand up and preach things that they know they ought to. And they know that they should be, you know, preaching against other religions. And they know that they... And look, I'm all for it. And I understand when there's a brand new Christian, you want to be careful with that Christian. You don't want to offend them or give them just, uh, you know, too much offensive. You know, we got to give people room to grow. We gotta, and I understand all that. But when you just refuse to preach something because you're afraid that somebody's going to leave and not put money in the offering plate, you know what that makes you? Not a shepherd, a hireling. And that's what we have. It's a bunch of hirelings. But look at verse, verse 30. We'll get off that subject. Jesus said in, in, in verse 30, John chapter number 10 and verse 30, He said, I and my Father are one. Then the, well actually, I, I skipped some verses there. Let's look at verse, I wanted to show you one more thing. I gotta, I gotta move quickly. Look at verse, Man, I can't find it. I want to show you something. I forgot to show you this. But, you know, we, we made the reference of the good shepherd versus the thieves and the robbers. And the thing about the good shepherd is this. Where was it? In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In verse 17, Jesus said, uh, therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So, something I just want to, to bring this to your attention too. How can you tell? How do we know that Buddha is not the right Messiah? Or how do we know that these other antichrists are not the true Christ? And that Jesus is. Here's why. The difference between Jesus' religion and Jesus' shepherd and every other religion is that Jesus, Bible says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So he gave his life for us as opposed to the God of Islam who requires people to give their life for Him. you see the difference? Islam tells people, hey, go fly uh, planes into buildings and, and be a martyr. Where Jesus Christ says, no, I died for you. That's the difference. The difference between the thief and the robber and the good shepherd is that the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The, 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 the good shepherd uh, is, is going to lay down his life. 
Verse 19 says, There was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of, a, of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him, and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. So they're saying, If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. How many times has he already told him, in, just in John, that he is the Christ? That he is God in the flesh? Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Now if you notice, He said, I told you and you believe not. In verse 1 of John chapter number 10, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, is uh, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth not in by the door is, uh, entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. I'm not finding the verse I was looking for. I don't know why my notes are all messed up right now. Oh, here it was. Verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which He spake unto them. So it says in verse 6 that He spoke this parable, but they did not understand it. It says in verse uh, number 25 that they asked Him, you know, are you the Christ? In verse 24. In verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. So he's, He's making this point. I'm telling you that I'm the Christ, and you don't believe me. I'm giving you this parable, but you don't understand me. Why do they not get it? Because they're not saved. Because they do not, they cannot hear the voice of the shepherd. That's why they don't get it. These Jews were not saved. Verse 27, he makes the point again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them, you know, we read these verses already. Look at verse 30. He says, I and my Father are one. So he's telling them, Look, I am the Christ. I am God. I am the, the God-man. And it seems like they finally, they got it this time, because in verse 31 it says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. So it seems to me like the Jews did, you know, they're asking, Are you the Christ or not? And if he would have said, yes, I'm the Christ, maybe they would have been okay with that. But they're not okay with him saying that he's God. And, they, and these Jews do not understand. If they would just study the Old Testament, they would know that... Because it seems to me like they think that the Christ is a man, but he's not God. But if you study the prophecies in the Old Testament of the Messiah, it was very clear from the Old Testament that this Messiah was going to be God. His name was going to be Emmanuel. Being interpreted, God with us. I mean, it says in the Old Testament that he would be from everlasting. So, they just don't know their Bibles. They don't understand what the Bible is saying because they're not saved. How does Jesus know that they're not saved? Because they can't understand His words. They don't understand what He's saying. In John 8, he, he, when He was explaining to them, he said, he said, Why do you not understand My words? Is it because you cannot hear My speech? So, these unsaved people, they just don't understand what He's saying. And they say they want to stone Him because he, He's a man. Being a man, maketh thyself God. Jesus answered them. Is it not written in your law? And this is what I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to this and we'll be done. So, we had that whole parable. But then there's this verse in John chapter number 10, where he... A lot of people get confused with the verse. I just want to show it to you real quick and we'll be done. 
Verse 34 says, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said ye are gods. Notice it's a, it's a minor G. It's not a capital G. It's a small G. Ye are gods. If ye call them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified, and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. Now, some people will take these, this verse right here, and they'll say, see, the Bible says that they can be, they, they, that you can be gods. And this is, the Mormons will say, well, we can be a god. So what is this talking about? Well, first we've got to understand what it is that Jesus is uh, quoting. And what he's quoting is Psalm chapter number uh, 82. So let's go to Psalm 82 real quick. And look at verse number 1. Psalm 82.1. And we'll just look at this fast and we'll be done. Psalm 82.1. The Bible says, a psalm of Asa. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the person of the wicked, Selah? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Look at verse 6. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. And look at verse 7. But ye shall die like men. And fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. So Jesus said, I have said ye are gods. And people try to run with that and say, oh see, we can be gods. But if you look at what he's quoting in Psalm 82.6, he said, I have said ye are gods. And in verse 7, but ye shall die like men. Does that sound like a positive thing? No. You know, I don't want to be the type of God that will die like men. And what he's referring to, and what I believe he's referring to, is in Genesis chapter number 3, when Adam and Eve, or when Eve, takes of the tree, and, and if you'd like to turn there, we'll read those verses real quick. Genesis chapter number 3, in verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the servant said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now if you notice, God told Adam and Eve, Do not eat of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, and the day ye eat thereof, ye shall die. And Satan, the serpent, said, Hey, you're not going to die. In fact, you're going to be as gods. Now what Satan does, is that he will take some truth, and he will add a lie to it. He will mix truth with lie. Now here's the thing, when you take truth and you mix lie to it, you make it all a lie. Bible says in John 8.44, Jesus said about Satan, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The Bible says that the devil is the father of lies. The Bible says that there is no truth in him, but he'll take a little bit of truth, he'll mix it with lie, and the Bible says it's all a lie, because there's no truth in him. And Satan told Eve, he said, you shall not surely die like God says you were. He says, in fact, you'll be like God. Now here's the thing. It was true that they would be like God in the fact that God knew the difference between good and evil. And when they ate of the 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they became like God in the fact that they were also knowledgeable about good and evil. Did they became did they become like God in the fact that they were all powerful? No. Did they become like God in the fact that they were omnipresent? No. Did they become like God in the fact that they were um you know, everlasting, and, and not just everlasting, but they, they were eternal? No. They became like God in the fact that, like God, they understood the, the, the difference between good and evil. So Satan says, you're not going to die. Satan says, you're going to be like God if you eat of the tree. Eve fell for it. She went ahead and sinned and ate of the tree. And then God, what God is saying to them is, hey, okay, I have said, ye are gods. There in Psalm 82, 6. He says, okay, Eve, okay, Adam, you ate of the tree, you know knowledge and good and evil, fine. I have said, you are gods, but, but here's the catch, you're going to die like man. So he said, yes, you became like a god, but you're still going to die. Say the life to you, you will die like men. And, and, and today, we have this humanist uh, mentality where, where human beings think there is no god, and they think I am god, and they think, you know, we're, we're just evolving, or we're this thing, and, and people just think they're the god of their own little universe. And, and, and they make the rules, and they, they have no one that they will be accountable to, and they have no one that will judge them ever, and there is no god. And God says, fine, you go ahead and think you're a god, Mormon. You go ahead and think you're a god, evolutionist. You go ahead and think you're a god, humanist. You go ahead and think you're a god, Eve, but ye will die like men. So in John chapter number 10, when Jesus says, quotes, you know, I said you're all God. You, 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 uh, what was the quote there? I said you're gods. It's not a positive thing. You know, we shouldn't just take that verse and, and run with it and say, oh, well, see there, we can be gods. No, no, no. I said you, you are gods. But in verse 7, Psalm 82, he says, But ye shall die like men. And Eve was told by the devil, If you're the tree, you're going to be like God, and you're not going to die. And God's response to that is, Oh, you are like God, but you're still going to die. Because the wages of sin is death. So, we shouldn't be confused by that in, in John chapter number 10, that, yeah, I have said ye are gods. But if you notice, it's a little g-god. In the Bible, every time it's a little g, it's not God of, God of the Bible. It's either, a lot of times, it's just a devil. It's just like one of the, one of the angels that fell with Satan. It's just a false god. So let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much.